morning, everybody. It is nice to be with you on a July 26th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, a Monday morning, bright and beautiful in central Ohio. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. we got a lot to talk about. It's like we get close to fall and football season, and all of a sudden the uh, very interesting sports headlines start to happen. Uh, one off the field today. Well, actually two off the field today with the Oklahoma and Texas departure from the Big 12 for the SEC, and yes, that is going to happen. And with the Cleveland Indians renaming themselves the Guardians, that happened just after the podcast ended on Friday. So we get to both of those headlines, and we get to a little bit of Olympics. But first, hopefully you've gotten to your cup of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee this morning. If not, well, you settled for less than you could get in terms of quality coffee and in terms of linking with someone to accomplish great things around the world. Paul Grace do a phenomenal job. The Hemisphere team buying their coffee direct from growers in Thailand, Indonesia, Nicaragua, and other foreign lands. And then those growers get paid directly, not through the government where profits are skimmed off, but directly. That helps the local economy. And because Paul and Grace, prior to starting Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, were in ministry, it furthers the ministry of the gospel in the countries where Paul and Grace buy their coffee. They're very discerning buyers. They don't just do it to, uh, well, you got coffee? Great, I'll help you. No, it has to be the best coffee, each bean handpicked around the world, roasted in Hemisphere's phenomenal facility in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, and brought right to you and at a 15% savings if you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. So check them out. We Tackle Life is the promo code in all caps at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, uh, Olympics first, then we'll get to conference expansion, then to the Indians. Olympics, uh, a couple dominant eras of uh, American success appear to be ending or have ended, at least in part. Stunned, stunned to hear that Katie Ledecky lost in the Olympic 400 freestyle to an Australian swimmer known as the Terminator, and she indeed terminated Katie Ledecky's dominance of the freestyle. It was not uncommon for Katie Ledecky in the longer events to be like an almost an entire pool length ahead of everyone. You're not going to be that far ahead in the 400, but she was an entire body length ahead of this Australian swimmer, and the Aussie ran her down in the last 200 meters. So Ledecky gets the silver. USA basketball lost its Olympic opener to France. Now, I know in the past, Team USA has lost or been extended like by um, the Russians when they had Sharunas Marshalonis and Arvidas Sabonis. There's a couple of Russian names out of the past. but And, and also by Australia when they had Patty Mills and D- Matthew Delavadova. But France? I don't think of France as like an elite basketball country. And they went on a 16-2 to run in the last few minutes of their 83-76 win over the Yanks, uh, who have now gone three and five in their last eight international games, world championships, Olympic qualifying, Olympics. So, hmm, I don't know. Maybe Greg Popovich will be the Larry Brown of his era. Larry Brown infamously coached the 2004 Olympic team to a bronze medal. That was when he like refused to play LeBron. Nice nice decision there, Larry Brown. Uh, but since the NBA players have gone into Olympic basketball, which is when Olympic basketball proceeded to completely lose its interest for me, 
Uh, the U.S. has won the gold in 92, 96, 2000, 2008, 2012, 2016. So six out of seven Olympics we've won the gold, and they will be uh, tested now winning the gold with what appears to be a team less than it could have been because of COVID. And uh, look, here's my deal. I've said this before. I'll say it again. When you go to the Olympics, you are representing your country. If you don't like your country and you don't like what your country stands for and you don't want to stand up for your country, and that includes standing up for its anthem, don't go because there will be people who will want to go. Uh, so U.S. women's national team, USA men's basketball team, the hammer thrower with the uh, anti-American rant at the track and field trials. Uh, this does go back a bit on what I said earlier about the best way to cancel her protest of America was to show her that we're a big enough country to let you go, even though you're a knucklehead and don't appreciate us. But I've since changed my mind on that. I mean, you are a representative of the uniform you wear. If you can't wear the uniform with pride, that's fine. You're entitled to that. I'm not saying you can't feel anti-American. I think you're dumb, but, you know, that's a semantic, you know, argument. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah, if you're going to go wear our uniform, then embrace our uniform. Embrace our values. Embrace our country. Bye-bye to you if you don't. So, um... That's where I stand on the whole thing, and I'm not rooting for the USA men's basketball team. I'm not rooting for the USA women's national team. I'm not rooting for the hammer thrower. What was her name? Gail Perry or something? Uh, you, you shouldn't meddle, and I don't want you up there on the podium making an idiot out of yourself and making our country look bad uh, if you uh, don't celebrate it. So that's my stance on all of that. Um, now let's get into the delicious topic of Big Ten expansion, SEC expansion, future of college athletics, and the like. Stories like Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC from the Big 12 don't begin to leak without a major denial, without already essentially being a done deal. So Texas and Oklahoma are going to join the SEC. It's going to cost them. $76 million is the number that I heard that they'll have to pay to buy out of their Big 12 media contracts. That's fine. Big 12 is going to need that money because they're really worth nothing without Texas and without Oklahoma. I mean, the two signature brands of that conference, and Nebraska was a signature brand too, and now Nebraska's in the uh, Big 10, and Colorado's in the Pac-12, and... Um, Nebraska, excuse me, Texas and Oklahoma are headed to the SEC. The SEC, the rich get richer. The best gets better. I've seen all kinds of stories, all kinds of crazy rumors, all kinds of perhaps not crazy rumors about what the Big Ten's going to do or what the SEC's going to do. Here's a new spin. Rather than the Big Ten trying to save face and uh, add someone who could possibly uh, capture media market share, interest. And there's only one school that could do that, and it's Notre Dame. How about this? Uh, goofy. Well, I don't know if it's goofy, because as I say, anything's possible. Here's a rhetorical question. Would you rather Ohio State and Michigan stayed in the Big Ten and added Kansas and Iowa State to the Big Ten? That's the most likely outcome. Or would you rather Ohio State and Michigan Join the SEC. <laughs> Woo -hoo 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 -hoo. 
Ohio State and Michigan to the SEC. How would that go? How about that? So that would put the SEC at uh, 18 teams. You could certainly add two more. You could certainly get to 20 and have four five-team divisions. Uh, that would be highly interesting. Four five-team divisions, and then you could have like, you know, two of those divisions play everybody in the other two, and uh, two of those divisions, yeah, two. You split them off. You split the four divisions and the four divisions. Split them into two five-team pods, and then those two pods would play each other. Every team in each in each conference every every year. But you would never play the teams in the other side of the conference. And only in the championship game. So I think that would be an interesting way to do it. Um, we talk a lot about name, image, and likeness. We talk a lot about immediate eligibility transfer. What we never talk about that I think has more uh, impact on the viability of college athletics at certain schools is this recent Supreme Court ruling that said that Schools have to furnish for athletes everything that plays into their economic, economic, academic development, academic development. So they have to furnish them now stuff that they previously could not furnish them, laptops and all these kinds of things. They've been able to furnish them tutoring, but there's a lot of costs involved in that that could make college athletics not viable for a lot of people. So... What's the long-term impact of all this? Is it going to end college athletics as we know it? Probably. Is that necessarily bad? I don't know. I think there are a lot of schools playing Division I athletics and playing Division I football that are really just meeting the minimums and don't really belong. As I've said many times, there are teams in Ohio State's conference that are not in Ohio State's league. <laughs> Conference, meaning literally. League, meaning figuratively. Purdue's not in Ohio State's league, financially. They're not in football. Indiana's not. Iowa's not. Very few are. Michigan is. Maybe Michigan State. Penn State is. Wisconsin is. Uh, Iowa's not really. Illinois's not. So, maybe all the super teams get in one or two conferences, SEC and ACC. Who knows? Uh, but this is a time to think bigger than just, oh, wow, Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 for the SEC. Well, who are we going to add? Maybe uh, Ohio State and Michigan is the time for them to say, you know what? That SEC's got a lot going on, man. Maybe we ought to just leave the Big 10 we got a dopey commissioner who's a terrible leader and is not uh, forward-thinking. He got caught with his pants around his ankles on this Oklahoma and Texas departure for the SEC. And by the way, how telling is it that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12 for the SEC and never called the Big 10 to go, hey, what kind of deal can we get from you? I mean, it's a, it's a very big indictment of the Big 10, not of Ohio State, not of Ohio State. It's a big indictment of the Big Ten and the Big Ten's own self-important attitude that OU and Texas decided, hey, hey, keep this on the down low. Let's go join another league. What do you think? 
Big Ten or SEC? And together they're like, Big Ten? Why would we join that conference? Like, let's join the SEC. Well, it'll be harder to win. Yeah, but the upside is tremendous. Texas, the story says uh, on, I think it was uh, Longhorns Digest or the Chip Brown site. Chip Brown's the man on Texas, by the way. Follow him on Twitter, at Chip Brown. Uh, Texas is willing to forego its Longhorn Network. And ESPN's willing to forego its Longhorn Network because ESPN's losing money hand over fist on that Longhorn Network. So Texas is like, eh, you got the SEC Network. We'll buy into that. So Notre Dame's the play for the Big Ten. If you're Ohio State and Michigan, you don't leave if you get Notre Dame. If you don't get Notre Dame, bye bye See ya. I wouldn't blame the big. I wouldn't blame Ohio State and Michigan for doing that. Uh, Michigan will never win another championship in my lifetime in football if they join the big. Uh, if they join the SEC, by the way. Uh, so uh, that would be interesting, though. You could put Ohio State, Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan. You could put all them in the same five-team pod in the SEC. That'd be pretty interesting. I kind of like that idea. Uh, five teams in each. Division, four divisions, 20-team league. Why not? Wow, that league is loaded. And there'll be teams in that league that can't compete. Mississippi can't compete. Mississippi State can't compete. Although they can cheat, so they can always compete if they can cheat. So uh, that's where I stand on all of that, I think, for the rumors that are out there for teams to join the Big Ten. And this would be like you're dating the head cheerleader, okay? If, If the Big Ten adds Oklahoma State, or Kansas, or Iowa State, or some combination of those three. I know you get Kansas basketball, and you're going to go, oh, what about Kansas basketball? Are any of these conference expansions, anywhere but the ACC, which has always been a basketball league, are any of these conference expansions driven by basketball? No. Why? Because football's where the money is. How many people can you put in an arena for a basketball game? Hmm, 20,000. How many can you put in an arena for a football game? Oh, 100,000. Yes, 100,000. And you got parking and you got concessions and you got gear and you got on and on and on and on and on. Football is the perfect sport for marketing because you have a week between games You have one day of the week that all the action is concentrated on, Sunday for NFL, Saturday for college. You can play all day long, and everybody's going to be watching. You can't do that in basketball. People don't break from their day to watch a basketball game. Oh, look, one and two are playing in basketball. Guess what? One and two will be playing again next week. Not the same teams, but the teams with those rankings. So basketball, though I love it, though it's my favorite sport, is just not as marketable and not as marketing rich as football and football plays to a lot of our base desires violence physicality uh, all gladiatorial attitude you know with the guys in their uniforms and stuff like that football's just a quint it's the quintessential american game did i just say france beat the usa in basketball people like to be the best if we had a gold medal in football would would we win that game like 200 to nothing if we wanted to yes we would so Americans like to be the best at something. They like to have a monopoly on something. They like something that plays to their base desires of violence and physical domination and all those things. Football's the sport. So, okay, back to my analogy. If the Big Ten tries to counter the SEC adding Oklahoma and Texas in football, 
If the Big Ten tries to counter that by saying, oh, you added two teams, we'll show you. We'll add Iowa State and Kansas because now we get the Iowa State-Iowa game, a game nobody has cared about except the people of Iowa since the beginning of time. Oh, we get Kansas basketball. Okay, great, nice little consolation prize. You know what that would be like? The Big Ten adding Kansas and Iowa State after the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma. That would be like having a date to the prom with the head cheerleader, and two days before the prom, she says, nah, I'm going with the quarterback of the football team instead. And you're dateless, and so you go with your sister's best friend. That's who you go with, okay? Or you go with your sister, so you don't have to stand in the loser line. <laughs> but you are a loser because you're going with your sister. Or your mom's best friend flies in her daughter from across the country, and you don't know each other, and you're awkward. Come on, Big Ten. Like, I, I await Kevin Warren's next chess move because the SEC is playing chess, and Kevin Warren is playing checkers. So the Big Ten just got depantsed, exposed, embarrassed, and any other adjective you can think of on this. It is not a reflection on Ohio State, except that Ohio State, and this is, you know, it's it's really it's a nice quality to have. Loyalty is a wonderful quality. In life, you must have loyalty. I would never advocate behaving like this in life. But in college athletics... It is Darwinian. It is survival of the fittest. It is loyalty gets you nothing. Ohio State has always been, and I've heard Gene Smith say these exact words, a rising tide raises all boats. Yeah, a rising tide raises all boats when your boat doesn't have a hole in the hull. Then a rising tide sinks your boat. And when you hired Kevin Warren as your commissioner, you put a big fat hole in the hull of your boat, and now the rising tide of the SEC is threatening to consume you. And so that's what is happening, and it's not going to patch the hole by adding Iowa State or Kansas. You're just going to be going to the prom with your sister's best friend. All right, with that, let's give a shout-out to our friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm of choice for Bruce Hooley, the Bruce Hooley Show, all things Bruce Hooley and should be all things you if you guard your integrity, character, and uh, want somebody to represent you with the ultimate expertise and acumen. If you don't, I'm like, what's the matter? You got a death wish in court? No, you want Willis Spangler Starling on the case. They'll protect your legal rights. I can't even begin to imagine how complex a workers' compensation case is. And by the way, if you have a workers' compensation case, the state shows up with an attorney. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you want to give them that kind of an advantage? You're like, uh-oh, I should have brought an attorney. Yeah, you should have brought one from Willis Spangler Starling. That's one of their specialties. Personal injury, wills estate planning, probate, you name it, they can do it. Social Security Disability Employment Law. Willis Spangler Starling, located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Look for them there at willisattorneys.com. Willisattorneys.com. Okay, the Indians are now the Guardians, or they will be the Guardians next year. Um, here's my deal on this. I know there are some people offended by Indians. I know there were a lot of people offended by Redskins. When did we get to the point? We can't pinpoint it. We have gotten to the point. It's pointless to say when did we get to the point. 
We have gotten to the point where if one person complains, we have to pay attention to the complaint in everything. One person complains, we have to pay attention to the complaint. If 100 people complain, if 1,000 people complain. Okay, I heard a great analogy on this from Malcolm Gladwell the other day on the Megyn Kelly podcast. He was talking about critics, and he said to me, he, he didn't say to me, I mean, I was listening, but he wasn't talking to me. He said, if you have a uh, hundred people who uh, follow you on Twitter and you post something and uh, one of them complains, you could care less, right? I got 99 people who say good things about me or aren't offended by what I say, but one person is. Uh, that's not a big deal. One out of 100. But if you have 10 million people who follow you on Twitter and the same percentage, 1%, complain, all of a sudden now you are hearing from 100,000 critics. You go on your Twitter mentions and you're like, holy cow, what did I say? What did I do? And it seems like a big deal, right? Is it a big deal? It's, it's the same percentage. It's 1%. If one person out of 100 complains, you don't care. If 100,000 people out of 10 million complain, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what did I do? Sorry. This is exactly the situation with the Cleveland Indians. How many fans do the Cleveland Indians have? Do they have 10 million fans? I would imagine they probably have 10 million people who are baseball fans or who care about them or whatever. Anyway, they got a lot of fans, right? So the ones who've complained, first of all, a lot of them aren't even fans of the team. They're just people who complain about everything. So who do the Indians have to please? Do they have to please the people who buy tickets, the people who buy gear, the people who uh, listen to their games on the radio, listen, watch their games on the television? Yeah, those are the people they have to please. How many of those people are complaining? And what is the percentage of those people who are complaining? In changing their name from Indians to Guardians, the Indians have alienated the people they most need to retain. <laughs> the people who are happy about this nationally are not really even happy about it. Did by naming the team Guardians, the Indians engender approval from a sector of the populace that canceled the complaints of those same people? No. Those same people are like, ah, oh, I see they changed the name to Guardians. Well, it's about time, horrible racist Indians organization. You know, next year they're going to be posting, you know, the Guardians are winning, but they used to be the Indians, so don't root for them. They're a racist organization. They only changed their name because they had to, right? That's going to be the take. So Paul Dolan, the owner of the Indians, should have said all the way through, look, I understand there are people who are upset. I understand there'd be people who'd be upset about us changing the name. So we've removed Chief Wahoo. We've removed what we believe is uh, the most egregious um, association of the term Indians with caricatures and likenesses and things like that that do not reflect well on Native Americans. But we think to change the name would alienate our fans and really isn't uh, necessary in light of how we now choose to 
personify the term Indians. So we're not changing it. Thanks a lot. Uh, that would have taken courage. It doesn't take any courage to cave to the woke mob and pick Guardians, which they're trying to traffic on Marvel. They're trying to traffic on the, no pun intended, uh, statues on the bridge leading to downtown. Nobody believes nationally that anything Cleveland is something that needs to be guarded. <laughs> like I know Tom Hanks, you know, oh, we are all guardians of Cleveland. Most people think mock Cleveland. Cleveland's a national punchline. Not as much as now as it used to be, but it is. And that's okay. People who don't live in Cleveland, who didn't work in Cleveland like I did for 23 years, who don't know the charms of the city, the loyalty of the city, the people of the city, uh, you don't shouldn't care what they think. I just got done doing a rant on why do you care what people think who don't really like you anyway. So I just think this was, uh, I understand why they did it. I just think that it's not going to engender any kind of the goodwill that they hoped it would. All it does is get them to stop complaining about you going forward. It doesn't keep you, insulate you from the complaints of the past being continually mentioned in the present. And it won't. So they did it. Good for them. But here's an instructive quote, and it's from Paul Dolan. Three and a half years ago, Paul Dolan, shout out to Terry Pluto of Cleveland.com for uh, going back in his notebook and finding this quote. Back when they removed the Chief Wahoo logo, Paul Dolan said this, Not only are we adamant about keeping the name Indians, but the commissioner, Rob Manfred, is similarly supportive of the name. Yes, some people will continue to make noise about that, but I'm not troubled by its use. The commissioner is not troubled by the use of the name. We are confident the name will continue on. Okay, so there were no plans to change the name of the Cleveland Indians until what? What happened? What happened to move Paul Dolan off that? Oh, the death of George Floyd happened. The death of George Floyd. So a career criminal commits another crime, counterfeiting, resists arrest, gets unjustifiably, according to the legal finding, murdered, unjustifiably murdered by a police officer, Derek Chauvin, who will now serve a long term in prison for being guilty of second degree, third degree murder and manslaughter. So that's the event. Those are the facts. George Floyd was a career criminal. He did commit another crime counterfeiting. He did resist arrest. He was then murdered by a rogue police officer who will do uh, penance for his crimes. Did I mention the Cleveland Indians in there anywhere? Did I mention baseball in there anywhere? Did I mention anything at all that would move from George Floyd and Derek Chauvin's interaction on a Minneapolis street corner to the offices of the Cleveland Indians at Carnegie in Ontario? I did not. Nevertheless, they changed the name because of George Floyd, which is really stupid. But they did it, and we'll live with it and uh, move on. All right. If you're a business owner, smarter than the Indians, <laughs> you uh, will take advantage of the free guidance of our friends at auinfo.com. auinfo.com. Phenomenal people. Chrissy's a rock star. She does a great job. She services business owners who need to know that what they're spending on benefits is a judicious good expense. You can go to auinfo.com chat with them. Just type in your questions. Here's what I pay. Here's what I get. Is this a good deal? I would like to get more buying power in my benefits package 
but I'm a small business with only two people, and I talk to people about offering benefits to my other employee, and their, and their rates are skyrocketing. How could I get in on that? And Chrissy will say, well, have you thought about a Chamber of Commerce plan? Oh, I can't afford to belong to my local chamber. Well, did you know you don't have to belong to your local chamber to get any chamber plan? These are the kinds of things she knows that I didn't know until I talked to her and the kinds of things you won't know until you chat with her on their Internet site, auiinfo.com. Can you call her? Sure. Can you meet with her in person? Sure. So auiinfo.com is just a great free resource. Who pays them? How do they stay in business? They're paid by the insurance companies that you select. So that's what you do. auiinfo.com. If you've got a small business, two people, up to 50 people, I don't know why you're not checking with auiinfo.com. If not, you're, um, you're making the same kind of mistake the Indians made. You're presuming something and without facts and evidence, which is really, 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 really not very smart. Okay, it is now time for one more little sports headline. The former Ohio State basketball players have come back uh, this year to uh, seek the million-dollar prize in the basketball tournament, and they have won two games. First one was a little dicey against the uh, Mid-American Conference team. And then yesterday they beat a group of Purdue alums uh, led by Robbie Hummel. So they are into the third round. Some of the guys out there I don't recognize, like Jeff Gibbs and uh, Mavunga. Some of these guys I don't recognize. And then Ron Lewis was playing for the Mid-America Conference team. Like, you got to have Ron Lewis on the Ohio State team. Shannon Scott is playing more minutes at the point than Aaron Kraft, uh, but Aaron Kraft's still making big plays. And uh, Jared Sullinger's coaching the team. Will Buford's on it. David Lighty's on it. They're a couple of the mainstays. So fun to watch. They're on ESPN Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. I'm uh, DVRing all the uh, basketball tournament games, the basketball tournament. I like the Elam ending. I like it. You get to the four-minute mark, and they add, I don't know, what is it, nine points to the total of the team leading, and then the first team to that number wins. I like the Elam ending. I think it's smart. Um, and it would stop all these nonsensical NBA endings that take like 45 minutes to play the last minute with all the timeouts and stuff. So... Uh, check out the basketball tournament. It is uh, going on and is an interesting, interesting watch. All right, now it is time for the faith portion of the podcast. And in the faith portion of the podcast today, uh, it comes from my morning Bible study. And I was in Proverbs 26 today because it's the 26th of the month. And in Proverbs 26, and I always, I tell you, I always go back and I always read the previous day's chapter as well. So the 25th of Proverbs um, was, uh, was good to me, and the 26th of Proverbs was similarly good to me. And I want to open my Bible and share with you uh, from those two chapters. So as I sat down today, I got into Proverbs 25, and this is a, this is a familiar... Uh, well, let me just say this. The final verse of Proverbs 25 is, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. A man who lacks self-control. And I pondered that for a second, and I thought, self-control, wow, that's hard to have. It's hard. And I thought about Twitter spats. Where, where am I most often tempted these days to lose my self-control? Um, in On Twitter, right? Uh, I finally had to tell myself to never read my mentions on Twitter because they would provide me with a temptation to engage in rancorous debate and 
damage my witness with my responses. Now, I sometimes respond to people on Twitter, but they are almost exclusively people that I follow. So their stuff shows up in my timeline. I don't read my mentions. But I thought about self-control and my failures at self-control in my life. I would love to be able to go back and change my reputation that I cemented with many people in my 20s and 30s and 40s with uh, behavior that was counter to the kind of person that I would truly like to be known as because I lacked, uh, in many times, in many instances of my life, I lacked self-control. It didn't manifest itself in drinking or smoking or drugs or anything like that, but it certainly manifested itself in displays of anger and um, unkindness and things like that. So I lack self-control. So this morning when I read that, I thought, wow, self-control. I really struggle with that. (laughs) And I thought, the only way I could ever have self-control is through uh, the power of God in me because he loves people and I don't. I'm not predisposed to seeing people as God sees them. And then I recognized, well, of course you lack self-control, dopey. Self-control is a gift of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. So if it's a gift of the Spirit... You cannot presume to have self-control unless you have the Spirit of God inside you. Well, how do you get the Spirit of God inside you? Well, you got to accept Christ as your Savior. And once you get uh, that, then the Holy Spirit is in you, with you, and upon you doing amazing things in your life, making you want to do good things to thank Jesus for what he did for you at the cross. So I was thinking about self-control. And then I got into Proverbs 26, because today is the 26th. And Proverbs 26.4 reads, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. And I thought, that's the perfect verse for Twitter spats, <laughs> Right? For Twitter spats, do not. What do you do when you get on Twitter and somebody who's uh, trolled you on Twitter? You answer a fool according to his folly, and what happens? You become like him yourself. You become a fool because you're answering a fool according to his folly. How do you avoid that? Well, you need self-control. There's no such thing as self-control apart from Christ in our life, because as I just laid out for you, self-control is a gift of the Spirit. So. Back to our verse in Proverbs 25, the final verse. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. All right, so we don't have cities now with walls around them. But in Bible times, that was essential. When they build a city, they built walls around it. Why did they build walls around it? Well, to protect it from invaders. So they could see invaders coming a long way off. And so they could fortify their defenses. And the higher the wall... Harder it was to scale. The more stout the wall, the harder it was to breach. Keep the city gates locked. Keep keep the bad guys out. But if your walls are broken down, well, you're vulnerable. Like any marauder can come in from any angle and attack you and pillage your village and kill you and uh, you know 
ravage your women and children and take all the plunder. And that was the common way that it was done back then. So um, if we don't have self-control, we will be vulnerable to destructive behavior, displays of foolishness that nullify the image we want to project, the testimony we want to give to the difference Christ has made in our life. And then I thought, well, there is no such thing as self-control. Because if self-control is a gift of the Spirit, you're not controlled by the self anymore. You're controlled by the Spirit. So there is no such thing as perfect self-control apart from the Spirit, and then it's led by the Spirit, so it's Spirit control. How do you get that? Well, you have to hunger after the right things. Where does that hunger come from? It comes from the Spirit of God in you, which can only, again, be gained through accepting Christ at the cross. The character of Christ, the mind of Christ, one of the, one of the main places in the New Testament, if you want to read about what the Spirit of God does for you, once you have the Spirit of God inside you, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And start in verse 10, where Paul writes, God has revealed it, which means lots of other things he's just referred to, the previous nine verses. God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And at the end, the last verse in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. So when you have the Spirit in you, you have the mind of Christ. You also have the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the mind of Christ. What kind of power does the Holy Spirit possess? Well, some pretty incredible power, because elsewhere in the Bible, it says that if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ, you also have the power that raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit is what raised Christ from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit. So this process that we want to go through as Christians, out of gratitude for the forgiveness we've received through Christ's sacrifice at the cross, we want to receive the Spirit by accepting his sacrifice. We want to yield to that Spirit, submit to it, let it take us over. And we want to employ it. We want to use it. We want to want to rely on it. And Paul writes this down beautifully, this equation, this miraculous procedure, uh, this miraculous transformation we undergo when we receive the Spirit of God. In Philippians 2.13, Paul writes, The Spirit of God is at work within you, helping you want to obey Him and helping you do what he wants. So this whole thing of receiving Christ's forgiveness at the cross and then becoming a different person, being born again, has to be driven by the Spirit of God in you. And that Spirit of God in you, that mind of Christ in you, that power of what raised him from the dead in you, Paul says, will continue to work in you, helping you to want to obey him and then helping you do what he wants or helping you obey. So it helps you want to obey and it helps you obey, which again 
is not self-driven, it's spirit-given. And you have to have the spirit. And the only way to get the spirit is to receive Christ's sacrifice from the cross to make us blameless in the eyes of God to reconcile us to him. So it's a really cool equation. It's a really cool way to live. It's the only way to live. It's the only way you're going to find peace in your life. With all the adversity and all the different challenges that you face is to have that spirit in you. And if you don't, you can't summon it and make it happen all the time. Yeah, occasionally, sure, you might resist temptation or whatever, but otherwise, you're not going to. Why would you try to do it in your own strength when you can have mind of Christ, the power of the Spirit inside you. So that's what I have for you today. A lot of cool verses in Proverbs, a lot of cool verses in Philippians. The more you read your Bible, the more they all tie together, and the more God reveals pieces and portions of himself to move us to use our gifts to accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish with the people he gives us to influence and impact. So that's my encouragement to you today. I look forward to talking to you on Wednesday. Have a great Monday. Bye.